to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Dear 2022, you have some shame on your face. (laughs) Shame is such a fun topic, isn't it? Are you guys excited to talk about shame? (laughs) So shame is one of those tricky things because it kind of comes in all sizes. You know, there's like extra, extra, extra small and then like jumbo. Like you can feel shame if you have like a, you know, wardrobe malfunction. I checked my fly, I'm good. But like, you know, you can feel shame if you spill something on yourself. You can feel shame if you do something foolish. Um, You can also feel shame for really big stuff, like struggling with an addiction or a betrayal that you did way back in the day or something you did that really hurt somebody. And that can... still be under the same umbrella, shame. It's like a a feeling that you get, you know? And it's kind of hard to distinguish from guilt sometimes because guilt feels like, you know, a a kissing cousin to shame. And if you kiss your cousin, you probably feel shame. So um, (laughs) you don't have to, there's grace. Um, But guilt is specific to a thing, you know? Like if you feel guilty about something, it's, "Ah, I feel bad that I did the thing. Shame is I am bad and therefore I did the thing. That thing could only be done by somebody truly horrible. Someone would only feel this awful if they were an awful person, right? Guilt is, man, I can't, I'm, ah, I'm so bummed I showed up to work late because I feel bad for my coworkers, it might have strained them. Shame is I showed up to work late because I'm a loser and I can't get my life together. That's shame. So does that make sense? So they're, they're, they're close, but they're not the same. And neuroscience, I was actually researching this. It actually says guilt may actually motivate you to change, right? You might, oh gosh, I feel guilty about that. That might create some restoration. Shame does not do that. Shame tells you to stay at home and shut up and don't ever bring that out because it's gross and you're gross and everything about you is gross. So... <clears throat> I, uh, <laughs> I hate this story. Katie, I was talking to my wife, Katie, and she was like, uh, I was like, I need, like, I, I can think of a bunch of examples, but is there anything, like, I should talk about, about shame? And she's like, oh, what about that e-harmony thing? And I was like, oh, that's a good one. So when I was a single man and look, looking for love in all the wrong places, um, this was probably 15 years ago, so e-harmony was kind of new-ish. Dating online was not at all as common. Um, and um, so I was like, I'll do it. You know, I know some friends who have started a profile. Nothing really happened, but, you know, I'll see what happens. So I go through the profile, do the thing. It takes forever. It was like this big thing. And I get to the end of it, and it doesn't, it, you know, I, I, I was telling this story to someone else. I said, yeah, it just said, that, like, we can't match you. And she's like, oh, it said that for me, too. Like, it just takes a while for them to find matches for you. I said, no, they told me they cannot provide service to me because I'm one of 2% of people who are unmatchable. <laughs> and I, like, how embarrassing, right? 
I felt so disgusting. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, I'm going to die alone. That's what this means. There is no hope for me. And I felt so ashamed. It took me a long time to even tell that story because it's just so embarrassing. So it was literally like a dating website made to match you with your, and they're like, we, sorry, we got nothing for you, dude. And in that moment, I noticed something else that comes along with shame. Maybe some of you who have felt shame have felt this before, a feeling of disqualification, right? You're not allowed to play the game anymore. You can't join in the fun. You're out. You are bad. You're marked. You're disgusting. That's who you are. Stay over there. Don't join in. And that's how it felt. I was like, I'm, I'm literally, I'm never going to find a, a soulmate. I'm never going to find somebody to partner with because of this. And of course, that wasn't true. I mean, it said I'm undateable. Maybe my wife would say I'm still undateable, but she's with me. And we've been going for 11 years as of yesterday. So yeah, guess what we did? Nothing. We rearranged our bedroom. That was our anniversary. <laughs> um, see, shame if, if shame becomes you, you become shame, right? If shame fits on you, that's what you'll fit into. That's the difference between guilt and other things that are like shame. Shame tells you who you are with the wrong motives. So it, it, it tells you to stay away. It tells you to stay from the thing that will help you. It's a really insidious, gross thing because it's every, something we all deal with <laughs> almost daily. But it, it, it has this pull to stay away, stay away. So in um, that, that feeling, it makes actually perfect sense if you think about it. When, when you do something wrong and you have this shame, it's usually because you did something wrong. But another special thing about shame is that it can happen when you have had something done to you wrong. You can feel ashamed if you've been the victim of some abuse. You can feel shame if you have been wronged in a business deal because you might blame yourself. Say, and th that response almost makes sense outside of God's grace, I think. It, it kind of makes sense. It kind of tells you something. It's not a good thing. It's not something you should listen to all the time, but it points to something. So in, in Hebrews, uh, in the scripture, this was a letter written to Jewish folks who had become followers of Jesus. Um, that's just why it's called Hebrews. Um, I just thought I'd share that tidbit with you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, um, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus was going to endure shame. Like being crucified, nobody was like, that's a good death. It was awful. You were ridiculed. You took a long time for you to die. He was beaten to an unrecognizable pulp. He had a crown of thorns put on him, and then he was hung there to die in front of everybody, uh, next to two thieves who were like, as far as scripture goes, they knew they were guilty. They were, and Jesus was innocent. But what got him through that? It says the joy set before him. So what's the joy? Well, I'd say the will of doing the father. That's what Jesus said. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. But the sneaky thing about the cross is that Jesus died for you and as you. If you didn't know that, you might not be a... a you might not have grown up in church. That's what the cross means. That's why we wear it as a symbol because Jesus sacrificed for your sake. And that brought him joy. So that's an interesting thing that he would endure shame for joy. He earned for you and me the right to be with him and as him in terms of our standing with God. So 
I used to struggle with porn. I had a huge problem for, I don't even know how long. I don't even want to think about how long. And Jesus knew me before, during, and after that addiction. And he walked with me patiently before, during, and after that. You know who else was with me before, during, and after that? Shame. And you know what kept me from telling my friends and my brothers and my, uh, in Christ that I had stumbled or that I had fell? Shame. Because something told me I'm, they probably haven't messed up as much as I have, so there's this distance between us and I'm stupid and I'm an idiot and I can't believe I still struggle with this thing that this guy is over. And, but every time I confess and open my mouth, it was like a, a release of healing. And that's what shame wants to do. Shame is in your life to steal that from you. I didn't want to be found out. So I'd rather live with the shame than go through the pain and get the joy. That's what shame wants to do. It wants to make that bargain with you. It wants to tell you who you are. Romans chapter 9, verse 33 says this, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So that's kind of a weird verse because it's an interesting scripture. He's saying, it's basically saying, hey, Jesus probably won't fit right into your life with no, without you noticing. You're going to stumble. He will be offensive to you in some way. He will come into your life and you'll be like, what is this? I don't know what's going on here. Ah, I can't get this right. But isn't it interesting that the, the, the good part of this verse is you won't have shame? So he's perfectly okay with making you stumble, right? In that sense of like, this is my way. And if you're figuring your way out, that's fine. But I will not let you endure the shame. Why? He, he endured it. He endured the shame. That shame is such a powerful enemy that it is contrasted with believing in Jesus that that is one of the main things that changes, is that you no longer endure shame. So, the stumbling, like, I think of it like in this verse, like you're learning to walk, right? You're learning to walk Jesus' way. You're learning to get on board with him. And you're not just learning who he is, you're learning who you are. And this, that right there, who God is, who you are. I would, I would argue that is where shame comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right there. Interrupt who God is, interrupt who you are in God. To come in and tell you that if you're the child of God, you wouldn't do that. If you're the child of God, you wouldn't do this. Or if God were who he says he is, this wouldn't happen. Right? That's what shame does. It's the worst. It's serious, and because it's so, it's tolerable. Because we feel like it's justified. So, we fix our eyes on him right, in the first verse, because he's the pioneer and the perfecter, or the author and the perfecter of our faith. So it begins with him. He endured the shame and overcame it for the joy of sharing it with his children. That was what he went through the the cross for. So what do we do when we feel shame? How do we overcome it? Do we just go to the cross and, and crucify ourselves? That is one way to look at it. What you really are doing when when you you want to combat shame, go to the Father. Go to Jesus. As Marla was saying, just say his name in that circumstance because he's the one who endured the shame for your behalf. So 
Here's some, I'm just going to run through. There's like a bunch of verses here that just drive this home. If you've never read any of these, I just listen to this because this is all over Scripture, New Testament, Old Testament. This is Psalm 18, 28. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. John, or 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Romans 8, 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So when you're feeling shame and you're not sure what to do and where to go or how to get out of it, what is the answer? There's no, there's no program I know of that makes shame go away. What the opposite of shame, which is an identity dictated to you by sin, telling you who you are and binds you up in that to keep you in it forever. That is, sh- that is what shame is. The opposite of that is to be a child of God. An identity was, was not based on your activity, but on the fact that Jesus Christ endured the shame of the cross for the joy set before him. That is why Jesus endured that horrible death. He was a spotless sacrifice. And he was killed in the most disgusting and shameful way. And the one thing that got him through that was that I will do this so that you do not have to. You do not have to live in shame. He will keep you from shame. Because shame will keep you right where you are in your sin. It will offer no hope. It will offer no freedom. But it will keep you safe from being found out. That is the bargain that it makes. So this morning, I want you to just consider where have you made that bargain? Where are you, what are you keeping safe because of shame? I can tell you somebody who struggled with porn for so long, it sucked and it was hard every time to confess. But that was what got me through this to the point where it's a distant memory that yeah, I've stumbled here and there, but it's been so long since I would call that an addiction because of the grace of he who endured the shame on my behalf. I'm not ashamed to say that I struggled with it because I can boast that Jesus got me through that. That is no longer who I am. I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I am full of his grace. I am anointed to be in his kingdom. That means, that's a fancy word. That just means I am set apart and empowered to be a part of his family. So that reality of Jesus and his sonship to you is what I want you to focus on. I want to pray really quick and then I'll ask you this question because I want to just set the tone here. Jesus, I ask healing over this house this morning. I want to minister to the hurt that we have done ourselves and others and break and send into ashes the shame. 
And I want you, God, to shine down into the darkness and illuminate the painful places where we have kept them from you because we want the safety more than we want the freedom and the joy. Lord, with your gentle and loving breath, would you blow the dust off of those areas that we've been afraid to expose? In Jesus' name, amen. So as um, we're doing this series right now where we're just, we're breaking into groups so that we can actually respond to these messages. Um, so uh, I have a couple questions here. They're gonna be up on the screen. And break into groups of no more than three and, um, and at least two. Um, and I just want you to consider this. I, I phrase this question in this way. If you can bring up the first question, or the questions, I guess they're together. Um, what is shame costing you today? One way to think of that is, where have you been disqualified from shame, by shame? Because I don't, I don't want you to have to confess anything. I just want you to think about the cost. Because although I'd love confession time for everybody, that would probably result in a lot of tears and mopping and stuff. And, um, and then what, what step can you take to, to step into the light? This, like today, if it's something, if you've, someone you've wronged, if it's something that has hurt you, is there some step you can take to just getting it out of shame? Because I'll tell you what, one thing I know about shame, it never gets easier to step out of. Yeah. Every second is the best second to step out of it. So I just want to encourage you, be bold. I, I can't speak for everybody in this room, but I know a lot of you, if you feel so led and so comfortable, I doubt there's anything you could say to the people in this room that would surprise them or make them judge you. So I just encourage you, be bold, think deeply. What, what is that? Because I want you to be free today. Jesus wants you to be free of this today. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.